Welcome to the second episode of Candela. I'm Alan Schaller. On this show, my co-host Christopher Hutton and I will be speaking to a photographer who has served as a great inspiration for so many people, myself certainly included, Steve McCurry. Steve has worked as a photographer for over four decades, work that has taken him all over the world many times over. He has turned his lens to the most beautiful scenes in the world, through to the horrors of war zones and everything in between. He's a frequent contributor to National Geographic, has been a member of Magnum Photos since 1986, and is the recipient of many photography awards. Candela are delighted to present Steve McCurry. So, we are very, very lucky to have Mr. Steve McCurry on the Candela podcast today. So, welcome, Steve. Nice to be here. I guess we wanted to kick things off with talking about what continues to uh, to drive you to get out there and and shoot. I've, you know, you've had such a, a huge career, and it's obviously ongoing. What what motivates you to want to keep going out there and shooting? Well, I, I think yeah, you know, it's always great fun to go to new places and learn new things. Uh, I was just down in Antarctica literally last week with my wife my first time in Antarctica and it was a spectacular trip. Uh, you know, the animals and the ice and the icebergs, it's like another planet. So this is the kind of experiences that I, I live for, that I, I love to go to. I was in Madagascar for the first time about two weeks ago. And, uh, that was again, a, a great experience. Uh, all these lemurs running around everywhere. Uh, so that was, so I, I think I just, I, I just love to, uh, travel. I love to meet new people and see new places. Uh, I love to go a lot of times I'll go back to the same place. I was in India back in September for probably the 82nd time <laughs> in my life. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. We're all different. We all uh, have different motivations and see the world in a different way. And, uh, I've just been uh, very lucky to be able to do exactly what I've always wanted to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder, is uh, your wife with you a lot when you shoot? I know with Alan, because we've been good friends for a long time, there's been plenty of occasions where we're traveling and he's shooting and I'm often just skulking around in the background or occasionally giving input, but more often than not, just amusing myself. Um, I wonder if you're always solo when you're shooting or if you sometimes have other people with you? Uh, I... uh... Well, I've always spent my entire career on my own, shooting by myself, maybe with a guide. But recently, I've been traveling with my wife. I take our daughter as many places as I can. So I think photography is sort of a solitary endeavor to a large extent. It's sort of like hunting. You have to be out there. A lot of times, a lot of time has been waiting. Uh, there's a lot of times which seems unproductive or uh, you know, idle. And if you're not with somebody that understands that it can be a bit frustrating, but, uh, my <laughs> wife, uh, we're totally on the same wavelength. I mean, <laughs> uh, I've had, you know, guides and say, well, you know, why are we staying on the street corner for an hour? You know, let's go ahead. <laughs> let's keep moving. So, you know, you really have to follow your own nose. It's, it's really a solitary endeavor, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's so rewarding and it, you get into this other zone, you get into sort of a meditative state and, uh, you know, kind of magical things happen. 
a lot of times when I'm on the street, initially, like, I, I get to a place, I think there's nothing happening here. This is going to be a disaster. And, uh, you know, a day goes by, two days go by, and you start to, things start to reveal themselves, and, and suddenly you're kind of seeing pictures all over the place, and it, it's just some kind of a magical thing which kind of uh, trans, transpires. I don't know. I don't know how to describe well, that's it. That's very interesting what you said about after a couple of days in one place. So is do you do you like to um oh you're right Steve? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. Dude, I I was just uh, Alan, what's your last name? Uh Shala. Yeah, you know, I it just occurred to me <laughs> looking at your face, you're a great photographer. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> no, no, I finally understand. No, you are amazing. I, I just you know, I was kind of distracted here and I wasn't thinking. I was looking at your face and said, That guy looks familiar. I know that face. That's me. <laughs> well, I mean, likewise, Steve, I think your work's absolutely incredible. No, you you're and, consistently and- you know, you're you're consistent and you're not, you know, you put up so many great pictures often in a, in a series and unless you have a, a you know, a body of work, uh, but you travel around the world and, and it's, uh, you're always working at a very high level. So I'm a big fan. I, I just, sorry. Thank I, you. I, I was asking this. I said, what's his last name? And <laughs> that's when you kicked in. So I, well, I, yeah, uh, so... I apologize for that. <laughs> no, thank you so, so much, funny. Steve. <laughs> and that mean that means a hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, um, I mean, well, because because it's interesting hearing it from your perspective. Because I, I, I've, I, you know, I'm kind of at the beginning of my road of doing. I've been a photographer like this for about three, four years of, of uh-huh. you know, making, yeah. being lucky enough to call it my living and and travel and and do all the things that go with that. So it's you know been something I've been look, very much looking forward to to ask you these kind of questions and 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 hear yeah. your response. After okay, that, such yeah. <laughs> a, such a career, yeah, thanks. You're the uh, the color guy. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. you're the black and, and white guy. And, 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 yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah, and I don't do any of that. Uh, but yeah. and, and and that was another thing that I wanted to talk about was your um, signature, the the color that you have. And 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 to be honest, it's been something that I've tried um, for a long time is to be able to take a picture that someone can have a good stab that it's you know one of mine and i think that your images are very clearly yours you know whether it's the stuff shot in asia or your stuff in afghanistan uh, i i don't know what it is uh, but it's the color palette and the mood in the images that seems to be so consistent um but i don't know if is, is there any anything you can say on that well you know i've been shooting color i, I went out to india with uh, 200 rolls of Kodachrome in 1978, I had never really worked in color before that. And it was really a trial and error situation for me. You know, you, you see a picture through the lens and, and you think, oh, this is going to be great. Mm. And then you get the film back or whatever. You think, oh my God, that, that, that was really like a lousy picture. And it, it takes, um, I think, a lot of experience, a lot of time, you know, tens of thousands of exposures to start to close that gap between what you see through the lens and then what actually appears on the piece of paper. Uh, and I think that uh, the light, the composition, the color, all these things, you uh, start to understand what's working and what isn't. Uh, color, so many times you look at a color picture and it's just, 
there's just too much or the color is wrong or whatever. I, I think it just, I have, when I'm walking down the street, I have this kind of, kind of computer in my head, mm. uh, which is kind of evaluating uh, all these things, the particularly the light and the color. And um, I'm landing, uh, I'm choosing situations that kind of hit all those criteria. I, I go out at the certain time of day to get the certain kind of light. Mm. And then I'm, I'm searching for th- these components. For me, the, the most important thing is the story and what I'm, the emotional co- connection or mm. component to the picture. But uh, all these things are kind of swirling around. And, uh, you know, you, you can walk around in great light for a couple hours in the afternoon and maybe only make a couple good pictures. Uh, there's never any guarantee, but I think it just boils down to trial and error and practice, Yeah, you know, practicing for literally years and years and years to kind of finally arrive at something that makes sense. It's, it's funny. It's, I, I've always felt like it's like uh, planetary alignment. Like there are so many things that have to fall into place in order for it to be a really, a true keeper of an image. And and so often you just see an element of it slip away, yeah. like the light goes or the sub, the wrong subject is in place or so many things that can happen. Yeah. I think, I, I think Absolutely. people vastly underestimate the, uh, cause it seems so simple, doesn't it? Just taking a picture uh, and it is, but it's the, yeah. it's all the other stuff is <laughs> putting, putting the camera in the right place. Absolutely. Oh my God. I've wanted to ask you one thing. Uh, you, you mentioned Kodachrome. I remember you were given the last roll of Kodachrome to shoot. Uh, how that must have been quite a uh, emotional thing and 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 quite a, a a weight to be like, oh no, a lot of pressure. Yes, yeah. it's, it's one roll. <laughs> yeah, that must have been quite something. Yeah. Well, I, did you did you think about it? Or were you just like, yep, I'll do it? Well, no, I actually I knew that they were going to discontinue uh, Kodachrome, and I actually went to them and said, oh, I heard you know uh, you're going to discontinue this great film and I want to get the last role. I want the last manufactured role. So uh, they agreed. And then I thought to myself, well, you know, what the hell am I going to do with this, this role? And I, I thought, you know what, why not do some kind of uh, homage, some kind of um, final farewell to this great film. And I'm going to go around and just photograph uh, iconic people and places and things that have mattered to me in my photographic career. So that's what I, I kind of did. I, um, I started in New York. I photographed, uh, Robert De Niro. Then we flew to India and I photographed, um, uh, some, um, iconic films, you know, Amitabh Bachchan, who's probably the greatest film actor in the history of Indian cinema. Uh, I went to a, uh, Indian tribe, which was vanishing because of urbanization. So I was kind of kind of going along on this theme. Mm. And uh, I, w- I was fo- I was using kind of one exposure per subject. So uh, that was a bit of a tough uh, exercise. But uh, it, it was fun. Uh, you know, in the end, it was my last roll of film I ever shot. And uh, I don't actually have much nostalgia for, for film because with digital, you can work in much lower light and uh, you can see the picture you can evaluate the composition the moment the color the light and decide if you want to continue working on that particular uh scene or move on to something else uh 
you can see things instantly. So I, I think it's an advance. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually really happy with digital photography. I'm totally with you. I, I, I like to think that if, uh, you know, like the great street photographers like Bresson and, you know, people like that, if they had the option of shooting at ASA five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand, you know, would they have used that? I think oh, so. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say that because if you look a lot of uh, look at a lot of Henri's pictures, you know they don't really blow up past eight by ten or eleven by four. They're not a lot of them are not that sharp because he's probably working in a a dark room with a very slow black and white film at a very slow shutter. So um, mm. yeah, I mean it, to be able to work at five ten, you know, thousand ASA. ISO is just a big, huge advantage. 100%. But it's interesting because I, I think uh, a lot of people found the transition from film to digital quite hard. Sounds like you uh, saw it as an upgrade, which, which I think makes sense. Well, the, the, the storage, the digital storage of all these pictures is the, the tricky part because you really have to be careful with the uh, you know, backup and hard drives and yep. that that's really the, the key, the whole thing. I mean, if you don't, if you're not on top of that, it could be a disaster. Mm. It's interesting actually hearing you guys talking about this issue because when we've had cinematographers on the show, uh, people will hear in upcoming episodes. I think we talked to Wes Anderson, the cinematographer Bob Yeoman about this actually. Um, when we've talked about the difference between film and digital, it's kind of maybe more of a fondness of film in the movie world. And it's, it's not so much the look, I guess, which can be replicated in post when it comes to digital, you know, with grain and little aberrations and stuff getting added. Um, there's something about the simplicity and the discipline of it, of film. Um, like if you feel that there's a limit to what you can shoot and that brings an economy to your shots, which can potentially be beneficial. I don't know if you buy into that, Steve, um, from a photography perspective or not really. Not really. I, I think that... Um these things, you know, light and color and particular moment, the mood, everything. There's enough, there's enough uh, challenge and enough discipline that I don't feel like I need to sort of complicate it by sure. shooting with film because um, again, you never quite, I mean, that whole idea of, op you know, the surprise of opening up the box of film, that was great. I, I always enjoyed that going through the film, but I, I would prefer just to, um, uh, I don't have to see every picture every time, but I think that if you can, if sometimes when you're not sure if you got something or not, I think it's great to be able to confirm it. And if you got it, then um, as I said before, you can kind of move on. And sometimes you want to rethink the composition. Mm. And when you can actually see it there, you can ponder it a bit more. I remember one one of my favorite pictures in Kodachrome was actually taken in a really dark situation. And I thought to myself, as I was looking through the viewfinder, this is going to be an amazing picture. I'm so excited. And when I got the film back and looked at it, you know, weeks later, I realized that the entire, every picture on the roll was back focused. I mean, everything was out of focus. Hmm. Now it's <laughs> still kind of a usable picture, but if I had had the opportunity and with a, digital camera to be able to kind of zero in and and understand that, oh my God, everything's out of focus. I could have adjusted it, but as it was, uh, it was a situation that kind of got away from me. Mm. 
Yeah, fair. I mean, I shot film very briefly and then a lab ruined two roles and I thought, that's it. I'm never doing that again. I'm just going to keep shooting digital. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, I thought that was that. So, uh, so so much of your of your work has been done in Asia. Uh, like you said, 82 visits to India. I've done, I've done one. I'm going back again in, in January. Uh-huh. But what, what is it about Asia that, that, that drew you that many times? Well, my, my first trip to Asia was to India and there's such a contrast there and there's such a depth of culture. You have all these different religions, you have all these different geographical regions, you have extreme rich and extreme poor you have you know you know more than a billion people uh you had these extreme weather conditions like the monsoon and so it was it was this kind of this new world this new place that was completely like i'd never seen before so i just kept i spent two years there without going home the first time and i just was uh you know learning so much every day and and I found it was a lot more difficult to make good pictures than I imagined. I thought, oh, you know, you go to an exotic place and it's, pictures are going to be everywhere and it's going to be really easy. And it turned out I it wasn't that easy. It was any more, uh, it was more exotic, but it, picture photography-wise, it wasn't more easy. But uh, I just kept going back over and over again, year after year. It's a, it's a civilization that goes back, you know, thousands of years you could say the same thing about China, but uh, I just, it's a very safe place to work. People are friendly. Uh, they're open to photography. There's a tradition of filmmaking and photography mm. in, in both India and China. You know, it, it can be very frustrating at times and very maddening, but uh, when you get back and you start thinking about and looking at the pictures, it just kind of keeps drawing me back over and over again. Mm. And those pictures that you made, like the the farmer with the red turban, yes, the really vivid red turban, uh-huh. you know, images like that have inspired so many people, like kids, to to get cameras and to drive portraits and to do that kind of thing. Uh, how did you feel when when, when you saw that happening? Because I'm sure you you must have uh, inspired many, 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 many people to to pick up and shoot and to visit India and and do all those kinds of things as well. Yeah, I'm always a bit surprised uh, when I when people say they've, uh, you know, I inspired them and whatnot. I I, I guess uh, I've been shooting now for forty years in in that part of the world, and I spent you know as much time there photographing as probably any other photographer, because I would go there and spend a month or two or three yeah at a time. So it was a uh, I don't know how many years I've spent there if you put it all together, but I also spent a lot of time in Bangladesh and Nepal in uh, in Burma and Sri Lanka and Afghanistan and Pakistan. So that whole region has been a place that I've just uh, spent, I would say, most of my, my career there. I, I just uh, endlessly fascinated with the range of culture and uh, and people and you know, you have uh, Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists and Christians and Jains and Sikhs, and it goes on and on and on. It's just, it's amazing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. From like a purely compositional perspective, like in India, there's just so much color and activity, isn't there? And if you go further east and you think about Japan and the kind of 
sort of geometric aesthetic there is there, you know, from the temple architecture right down to the kanji alphabet they use. It's all just angles. And yeah, there's just something about that part of the world that really lends itself to photography, I think. Well, India has, India has this incredible chaos yeah. where there's all this mix of people and it's just, it's, uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful chaos. It's, it's just, it's, uh, it's, uh-huh. Well, I was just going to say, how did you find it shooting in Antarctica, which is essentially the opposite? It's like, it must be so sparse and open and just, just you know, difficult. Yeah, yeah. You'd be waiting like 27 days for a shot out there rather than two. <laughs> well, yeah. you, in Antarctica, you kind of switch gears and it becomes this very minimal, minimalistic approach where, you know, they have these, uh, this, it's all white, it's all blue. And then you get these penguins who are, you know, photographed in the back are these black animals and they're walking around. So it's this very graphic, uh, it's a great design with these penguins. And then you get these very, again, these uh, gigantic icebergs, again, very graphic, very minimal. And uh, so I loved it. I want to go back again. I thought it was, uh, it was this other world. The, the only downside it was it's really cold. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not a big cold. I like I'd rather work uh, on the street in Calcutta or uh, Rangoon. Yeah, I'd rather be sweating, you know, uh, than. Uh, yeah, he, he says from Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, that definitely <laughs> checks out. Because you're all bundled up with gloves and hats and long underwear and boots and all that. It's uh, that that part was a bit of a. Yeah, I, I was shoot. I was shooting today in the Alps. And it's really hard to to focus a lens, a manual lens, with a glove on. I've I've been uh, struggling. With oh that. my god! So it's been glove on <laughs> oh, and then off, and then on the floor, and then picking it up, and then I get ice in my glove. Oh god! It's yeah. And then you lose the glove or can't find it because you put it in a pocket. You got ten yeah, pockets. Yeah, I put an SD card somewhere and I can't find it. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. It's, but it's fun, isn't it? It's <laughs> it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. The I wanted to ask you about about the animals because um, you often shoot animals in a very similar approach to to how you well well you shoot them alongside humans, but also sometimes you shoot animals on their own. But it's got that kind of portrait feel. It's not. It doesn't feel like yeah. like a normal kind of you know Nat Geo presentation of nature. It's it's more of a kind of in there with with the animal and very personal and, and intimate. I don't know. Well, I, I've been photographing not on purpose, not with the idea to create a body of work on animals, but I, I, because animals are so much a part of our our lives around the world, whether it's camels or horses or dogs or cats or elephants. I, I've been photographing these animals over the decades, and uh, I, then I thought to myself, well, you know, why not look at all of these pictures as a body of work as a that potentially could be a book. And then I would say in the last uh, two or three years, I've actually started to intentionally kind of seek out places just for the animals. Just I went to the Galapagos twice. Mm. Uh, Antarctica has this animal component. Uh, as I said, I was in Madagascar with the lemurs. So, uh, but I mean, most of my career, I've been uh, just photographed animals just kind of randomly 
uh, just because they were there, just because they were being used as beasts of mm. burden or for tourists to, uh, you know, elephant rides or whatever. But, you know, over all these years, you end up collecting a quite a variety of pictures. Yeah, and I imagine you have uh, many different series that you could have probably gone into. Like, I know you've done stuff on uh, on reading yeah. and uh, friendship as well. Uh, that yeah. you know, so the, there, there must be so many themes after forty years that you can look back on and be like, "Hmm." <laughs> well, you know, one of the great things about looking at other work, other photographers, is, um, and I, I mentioned this in my book that it was a kind of an homage. It was to Henri Cortez, who had done a book on reading back in the seventies, maybe seventy two or something, mm. and uh, it was a it was a wonderful little book. Uh, I don't know it was probably sixty pages or. And I actually, I knew him because we were living in the same building together in New York. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago, I thought to myself, uh, why not look through my archive and see if I can do a book that, you know, along the same theme. So, uh, you know, I, I, I owe that idea to, uh, to Henri, uh, to Andre Cortez and, uh, uh, he, may have done it even better than I did, but at least I was he was a big inspiration to me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The thing that um, kind of jumps out at me about your work, Steve, is it often seems to be looking at the world in a kind of alien way. Um, you seem to be sort of fascinated in like the bleeding edge of humanity and taking people to some very different kind of places. There's a photo actually, um, and we'll put it on our Instagram when this episode goes out, of a girl in a bazaar in Afghanistan, I think it is. And it's her and her brother sitting in the trunk of a taxi and her brother looks, you know, just very Afghani, whereas she's this super white girl with like a shock of orange hair. And oh. She just looks totally out of place in the scene. Um, it's just the kind of the, the juxtaposition of it is so interesting. And it, it seems like it's those kind of wild, where the fuck am I moments that, that really stand out to you. Yeah, I love that picture because it's... Uh... She has this red hair. She looks like she could be, could be from Ireland. Mm. She has this also this sort of matching uh, orange suit on her shower kameez, and uh, her brother's there coming back from a, sh- a machine shop. And they're the tr- it's a very kind of an odd picture, but uh, I-, I love these juxtapositions that, uh, and I-, I love emotion in pictures. And I think that there's a life can be really sad at times uh and it's sad for you know a lot of people around the world i I think that's an important thing to show in pictures Mm. the reality of the world that we live in and uh i don't want to turn a a blind eye i'm i'm going to run a picture tomorrow uh the first one's from beverly hills at santa claus getting out of a car at some hotel in 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 rodeo drive and the next picture is of uh, in Port-au-Prince in Haiti of this guy in front of the Santa Claus mural feeding these two dogs. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like the end of the spectrum. Mm. And I think we, let's not uh, turn a blind eye to the way many of the people in the world have to live. Yeah, I, I've seen you defend that on, on Instagram, for example. Like you've posted pictures of uh, an event that you've taken and people have said, oh, don't you know that that animal is technically in slavery? And you say, yes, I know. That's why I'm documenting it kind of thing. And, and Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, can't, it, can't, mm. it can't all just be happy, yeah. clappy stuff the whole time because that's not how the world is. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. 
Um, I, I have a great compassion for animals and um, I, I think we got to do a better job in many cases, you know, the poaching, uh, ad, you know, the elephants and the, the fish in the sea. I mean, uh, it's, it's, we've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty shocking. The, the elephant situation in, uh, in, in India, the, the tourists just no no one seems to question it. They just get on the elephants and off they go. And these yeah. animals are in really bad condition and, it's pretty. It's pretty bizarre, isn't it? it I, is. I was there. I was there photographing these these elephants, and I just thought, you know, some of them are bleeding, and so you just think, how are you getting on it? <laughs> it just seems yeah. obvious, but they do. People do. Yeah, that's until crazy. you tell yeah. them enough times, I suppose, and then they stop. Right. Yeah. So do do you do you think that you're out of your work? The images that are the most personal and your, you know, like your favorites, are they the ones that are the most celebrated or are they often, or are they even ones that you haven't released or or somewhere in between? I I think it's a mix. Sometimes uh, there's pictures which just kind of come together and, uh, you know, you know, they're going to work and other people are going to appreciate them. Uh, There's a lot of times when, you know, I have a picture which I love and like nobody else kind of sees what's in it that, that I like. But so it's, yeah, sometimes, you know, I'm surprised. Sometimes I'm disappointed. Uh, but I guess people are going to respond to what they like. And, uh, you know, you just have to kind of go along and uh, respect that. But in my in my books, I'm able to, uh, you know, put in pictures which I, I, I like. Uh, nobody else may like them, but I figured, you know what, this is, <laughs> Since it's my book, <laughs> the great thing about a book is you're guaranteed to have the cover. You're guaranteed to have the cover. <laughs> There's no ads, and you don't have you don't have some editor breathing down your neck and all that. So that's the great thing about doing your own book. Yeah, absolutely. I really liked. Um, I saw there's a photo you took of a couple on a park bench in Croatia, all kind of huddled up and curled over each other. And I saw um, there's another photo, and it looked like the same moment, just from a different angle. And I was like, oh, okay, he's found two interesting shots and perspectives on the same scene. Um, but then I saw in the caption that it was from Madrid, and about six years later, but this couple happened to be pretty much the exact same position, and were even dressed pretty much alike, I think. Um, and I wonder when you've had such a you know long lustrous career whether you start to look for those like kind of echoes of previous photographs. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I I have a, I love photographing couples in, in all kinds of different situations, but particularly in public, you know, uh, in a park or uh, and you know there's there's a, a long tradition of this. I mean, it goes way back. Uh, all, a lot of great street photographers were doing this, you know, back in the 20s and the 30s. So I, I think to see ourselves, to have a photographer uh, be able to photograph people doing these universal activities and that a, a couple in Shanghai is kind of doing the same thing as a couple in Madrid or mm. London or New York. I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I, mean I, I guess somebody could look at the glass half full and say, you know, you're being voyeuristic, but... I mean, if you if you say that, then it kind of discredits the whole history of street photography and uh, of of photographing real people doing real things. Uh, you, you simply can't go to a couple and tap them on the shoulder and say, you know, <laughs> I, I, I want to make a picture of you here embracing. I mean, 
I, I, pro, I promise you 99% of the time they would be thrilled, mm. but you're never going to recreate that moment. It, it's just, you can't get back to that moment. You, you, it would be mm. crazy to say, well, okay, let's recreate. It's gone. It's lost. It's it never, you know. Yeah, that's the whole thing anyway, isn't it? You know, voyeurism gets a bad rap, but we're all voyeurs as we go about life, really. It's all, it seems like a weird criticism to me because that's what the beauty of what you guys do is, right? Is picking up on those seemingly hidden or fleeting moments that weren't necessarily intended for you, but, are, you know, kind of lovely nonetheless. I think you just have to say to yourself, you know, is this, um, is this okay? Is this respectful? Mm. Is this, yeah. uh, am I crossing a line? And it's kind of a moment to moment thing. I mean, it's, I think photographers, I think we all feel at times that, you know, people have, are entitled to their privacy and whatnot. Yeah. It, it, you just have to, it's a kind of a moment to moment case by case. Sure. Evaluation. Using your intuition a bit, just about the situation. Yeah. Do you find it, do you, here's a question that I've been asked before and I wanted to, to ask you was, is about, um, do you ever turn off your your eye, so to speak, or are you always looking for pictures, or you know, or or do you do you have a time when you put down the camera and you go right, I'm I'm, it's family time now, or so, or, or do you do you feel like it's always in the background going? I, I think it's always in the background, but not in a not in a bad way. I, I think that, you know, if I'm walking, you know, yesterday I was you know walking around the shopping center. Um, I'm not thinking about pictures, but if I see something, I, I either would shoot it, photograph it, or I might um, make a picture with my cell phone, or I might just say, you know what, uh, I, I can't get <laughs> but there, but still, I see yeah. it, I recognize it. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I just feel like uh, that's kind of the way we see the way we kind of are constantly, although again, it's, I don't see it as a negative thing. I don't see it as some kind of a, kind of a plague that I can't turn this thing off. I'm kind of like, you know, obsessed. But I do think that when you recognize shapes and design, you can't deny it. You see and think, oh my God, look at that. Mm. And and sometimes you respond to it and sometimes you just can't, you know, get to the picture because you're with yeah. friends or family or you don't have the right, you don't have a camera or whatever. I was for sure mostly a positive thing. Like I'm envious of you guys, you know, working mostly in the film world, you know, we have to sort of so much planning and money has to go into everything so we can do our job at a specific time when the cameras are rolling and everything's in place. And, you know, you've maybe only got a couple of opportunities to capture what you want. But yeah, I'm envious that you guys can do your work pretty much anywhere at any time. You know, um, sometimes me and Alan will be like in a smoky nightclub in Korea and it's like 3 a.m. and we're both ostensibly off the clock but then he'll suddenly end up getting a shot because those interesting moments can just arise at any time and then unlike perhaps they're even more often more, more more likely to arise when you're not expecting them and yeah i think that's such a beautiful thing yeah i you know that i studied filmmaking when i was in, in college and the reason uh one of the main reasons i got out of filmmaking was for that very reason <laughs> that uh it took it was so much uh planning and uh, writing and scripts and and then editing with these awkward machines, and um, the the amount of time actually shooting was fairly small. Whereas with what we do, what Alan does, is we kind of walk around, and uh, it's a serendipitous situation which crops up, and you can literally just be. Uh, and you, the other thing is, you walk out the door in the morning without any plan. 
particularly. I mean, you might have an idea of where you're going to go at the at the particular time of day, but it's it's a blank page. You just go there and you discover things, and uh, it's this element of surprise is wonderful because you never quite know what's waiting for you around the next corner. Absolutely, and some ama- amazing thing could happen at any moment, any time, and. Um, the, the unscripted kind of part of it is, is really wonderful. Mm. And film, yeah, the, the, the film world is magical in, in, in other ways, but it's, it's certainly, uh, I found it, I, I'm too used to being gratified <laughs> you know, quickly with, with, yeah. with, with, with the stills <laughs> camera now. And I just, I see the, the process of making films, I think. Oh. <laughs> and also the thing, the, yeah. thing, the, the thing that's really cool is in a photo book, you can, you can, uh, you can go through like 10 pictures and within a minute understand a photographer pretty well. That's right. And and that's something that I think is uh is a beautiful thing about the I don't think there's much else that is that is that quick. Right. to be able to translate um meaning. Right. You know, like a book you got to read a book or a film you have to watch a film or maybe watch a few films before you can really say what a director is about. That's right. Uh, with, with photography, it's quite amazing. And and that's what drew me to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not to say it's better. That's a hard disagree from me, but I'm going to uh, put it in that one for another day. <laughs> I mean, it's not to say it's better or worse. It's just, they're just, just different. Just because I think, you know, with with a photographer, they're so much more anonymous in a way. You know, they tend to be the kind of the observer of the situation. And yeah, they have a style and stuff, but, you know, they're not so much in the photograph, they're outside of it. Whereas I think, you know, you get more, I think you get more of a sense for a film, a, f- a filmmaker through through their work than you, you probably do a photographer, but I don't know. Well, that's, uh, that that's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I just think they're so different. They are different. Yeah. I think that, he, yeah. I, I think anything done well is hard. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that. So, have you got any more questions, Chris? I was just going to say, my last question really was, um, do you think photos get better with age? Like, as they start to periodize the time? I was thinking of that uh, working with Alan because most, well, in fact, all of his photos are from the last five years and therefore they kind of document this era, but they don't feel like a portal to somewhere, I guess, well, right now anyway, whereas when people look back on Alan's photos in, you know, from this decade in like 20 or 30 years time and they see everyone's holding these weird smartphone devices that no one uses anymore and the fashion's all different and the images sort of take on this new aspect. And yeah, I was thinking that looking at some of your work from the 80s and 90s, Steve, it's, uh, it's like these photos, they kind of get this new magic when they hit their 20th or 30th birthday. Yeah, I think that, uh, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, pictures that some of these things have disappeared, uh, uh, places that we're familiar with, uh, train stations and buildings and the way people dress and cars become more vintage and more, uh, more style. Mm. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think there's a, you know, I think a lot of pictures, uh, uh, and other pictures are just timeless. Uh, I mean, I look at, uh, Henri Cartier-Bresson and, uh, he, he, this is such a master at, at the particular moment and the light and the composition. It's just uh, something that will last forever because it's just so, there's a harmony, there's a rhythm, there's a beauty to the, to the work. You know, it's mm. astonishing. Mm. And, and how about for you, Steve? What, what's next for, for Mr. McCurry? Well, I'm going to 
Bangkok in uh, February, I'm doing a, a project on uh, various communities there. It's a little bit different for me than what I've done in the past. Uh, I, I want to go back to the Galapagos. I want to go to um, work in uh, maybe do something in Peru or Bolivia. Nice. Uh, I usually go back to Cuba. I've been trying to go to Cuba about once a year. Yeah, I, I love Cuba. There's something about it which I really connect with, and I've been trying to go back there uh, every year, every couple years. So uh, I want to go back to China, do some work there. I want to. So I, I'm still like as as passionate about photography and traveling and seeing new places and meeting new people as I as I've ever been. Yeah, you're certainly still buzzing for for travel and getting out there. That's that's amazing. I know you're a fan of Cuba too, Al. Yeah, I, I've, I've been to Cuba once and was I, I did it all in black and white. A lot of people thought I was I was crazy for, for refusing <laughs> to shoot color there, but that's my thing. I just I just do black and white. So, but I I think it helped me look at it slightly different. Um, oh yeah, but I, but I certainly want to go back there um, and back to China as well. Like you said, I think that's a very fascinating place to to document. Yeah. Well, these places are changing so rapidly. Uh, e- even Cuba is, uh, I, when I first went there, like nobody had a cell phone. Uh, now, uh, every you know, everybody's playing in the streets. And and now uh, there's, it seems like everybody's in their, in their doorway uh, on a game or texting their friends. I mean, it's not as quite as bad as it is in, in like, say, New York, but it's... Uh, it's kind of because at one time there was no advertising. It was this kind of really, kind of untouched place in terms of uh, some of these things, and now it's uh, it's quickly catching up. But uh, great people, they they don't have a lot, but they have great style, mm. and um, it's always a pleasure to go back and spend time there. Yeah, and, and like we were saying before, in in twenty, thirty, forty years time, uh, even a hundred years time, people will look back on them, and and they'll be ever more relevant. I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> if we're here in a hundred years' time, kind of remains to be seen. <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to do a black and white project sometime. Uh, if I found the right project that seemed to uh, make sense in black and white, I think that would be a great because I actually started my photography in black and white. I think it'd be great to go back and do a body of work, do a project, do a story in black and white, just to kind of have a new experience well let let me know if you do it and i'll i'll, I'll do a color one and, and we'll, we'll okay ex- we'll, we'll, and, and we'll exchange notes <laughs> okay that sounds great alan i look forward to that <laughs> sounds great man <laughs> oh yeah great to speak to you today steve and uh, thanks for your time and it's been great to have you well, on the show it's a pleasure alan keep up the good work my friend thank you very much <laughs> and you too steve okay thanks man all right all right Absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot. That was fun. I enjoyed that. That was fun. <laughs>